Our first passage this morning is Psalm 20 and verse number 7. If you can get two at one time, you can also turn to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 52. Psalm 20, verse number 7, Deuteronomy 28, 52. These two passages will introduce our topic for our study together this day. What a blessing to be in church and open the Bible together. God's got something for us here this morning that we need And he's got the ability and the desire to meet the need of our hearts, and we're grateful for that. Psalm 20 be our first verse, verse number 7. I believe we recited it already, perhaps this morning. The Bible says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, contrast, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I remember now as our last lesson we defined or associated the word the word trust with the word remember on the basis of this passage but there's something else i'd like to point out this morning some trust in chariots and some in horses but we and in the passage who or what you trust is presented as a choice and we did cover that Last week as well, it is commanded that we trust in God. We must choose to trust the Lord. This choice is a binary. That's not a very popular concept in modern day America, but that's what this is. It's either you trust the Lord or you are trusting someone or something else. You cannot be neutral. If you don't trust God, it is because you are trusting someone or something else. And so this choice to trust the Lord, it's either the Lord or it's an alternative. It's either the Lord or it's a replacement. It's either the Lord or someone or something that by your choices you are saying You believe you have found to be more trustworthy than God. And so here's what we'd like to do this morning as we look at these passages and make these points is is examine our hearts and ask ourselves again these questions. Am I trusting the Lord? Am I trusting the Lord with all my heart? And if not, if there is a lack of trust in God, who or what am I trusting instead? And if there's a lack of trust in my heart for the Lord, that trust is being directed elsewhere. And what I need to do is line that person or thing up with God and compare the two and ask myself why it is that I'm finding one more trustworthy than the other. Does that make sense? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Look at Deuteronomy. That's a difficult word to say quickly. Deuteronomy 28 In verse 52, this is the first instance of the word trust in the Bible. And you'll find as you study the scripture, the first mention of a term is often very significant, very important, often sets the tone for the way that word is going to be used throughout scripture. So here's the first mention of the word trust. Deuteronomy 28, verse number 52. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down wherein thou trustest. Throughout all thy land, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. The context of this passage would be the consequences of Israel's disobedience to the word of God. What would happen if they violated his law, uh, rejected his covenant, uh, ignored his commandments, 
went after other gods. The Lord is laying out, here are going to be the consequences for those choices and decisions. And he says in verse number 52 that he, this is the enemy, the oppressor, the, 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 the other nation coming in, shall besiege thee and thy high and fenced walls wherein thou trustest. That's another difficult word this morning. Whatever it is you're trusting, whoever it is you're trusting, if you're not trusting God, you're going to find that thing to crumble and to fall. That's what Deuteronomy 28, 52 says. And it's easy to say this morning, but we need to examine our hearts and see if we really believe this morning. There's no one and nothing as worthy of our trust as God. Remember the reasons we gave from the scripture, why it is that we ought to trust the Lord because he's always right, because he's always there, because he always cares, he always loves, he's always able, he always blesses. Listen, guys, no matter how long you look and how hard you look, you are never going to find anybody to compare. There's not a friend. Like the lowly Jesus, no, not one, no, not one. And so what I did for this Bible study was I went through the scripture, and this is not the exhaustive list this morning, but the alternatives to trusting God, the things or the people that we trust when we don't trust the Lord, that we trust instead of trusting God and why they are a poor replacement. If you're not trusting the Lord with all your heart, it's because you're placing your trust in one of these and it's a mistake, okay? Point number one, yourself. Yourself. Alternatives to trusting God. And the first bad alternative to trusting God is trusting yourself. I don't think we have to turn. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 uh, turn there in your mind and heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all that ways, acknowledge him, should write my past. The reason many people aren't trusting the Lord is they think they know better than he does. And, and we would never verbalize that in those terms, but when we reject what God said in his word in order to do what we want or what we think is best, that is exactly what we are saying with our actions that speak louder than our words. God, I'm going to trust myself instead of trusting you. I'm going to lean on my understanding instead of your understanding because my understanding is something that at least I can wrap my mind around, though imperfect it may be. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Sometimes we just can't fathom, can't comprehend, can't wrap our minds around it. That's why we've got to trust him that he knows best. Lean not unto thine own understanding. That's the alternative, but it's a, it's a bad alternative. Proverbs 28, 26. Several subheadings under this point. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. This one I'm more confident was actually in our... A Bible memory passage we recited this morning. Proverbs 28, 26. This is strong language that the Holy Spirit is using, uh, but he means it. Proverbs 28, verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart grew up watching Disney. <laughs> Come on, that's what you've been told all your life by the society in which you live. Believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. Trust your heart. God said, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. 
That's not the Lord being mean. That's not the Lord being derogatory. That's not the Lord being condescending or offensive. That is the Lord stating truth. And that truth is meant to jar us and cause us to realize this is a really bad decision. This is a really bad way to live your life. You are not wise if you trust your heart. The advice that our society gives us could not be more contrary to the word of God. Why should we not trust our hearts? You know this. It's deceitful above all things. It's the most deceitful thing there is. Your heart will fool you and make you a fool more than anything or anyone else. Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, if you follow your heart, you know where your heart's going to take you? Straight into sin. Because Mark 7, out of the heart of men proceed. And then the list that follows is not a good one. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, wickedness, covetousness, all these things. 1 John 3, 20, your heart may condemn you, but God is greater than our heart. Here's, here, here's what we've got to realize this morning. You cannot believe everything you think. You cannot believe everything you think. Your feelings... I'm not saying they're not valid. I'm not saying we don't, that, 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 that emotions are just, I'm, I'm saying your feelings can lie to you. We have to subject our heart. We have to subject our thoughts. We have to subject our feelings to the reality of the truth of the word of God. Your feelings are there to serve you, not to instruct you. It's an important distinction. We put the, uh, put the poem by Martin Luther in the bulletin this morning. I'm, I'm pretty sure he wrote this in German. I'm not sure how we got it from German to English, and it still rhymes. But the first stanza is the one that stands out so much that I remember. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. Some people trust their hearts. That's a, that's a bad Bad way to go. Point B, some people trust their righteousness. Point number one is yourself. Point point A, 1A is your heart. 1B is your righteousness. I don't think we're going to have time to run all of these references this morning. Uh, You've got the references there. Go with me in your mind of the parable Jesus told in Luke 18 about the Pharisee and the sinner, and the publican, the Pharisee and the publican. And, and the, the, the Pharisee is praying about how great he is, and the publican is at saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus, the, the passage introduces the parable as one that Jesus told because there were those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And someone who is trusting in their own righteousness is going to be sorely disappointed on the day of judgment when they're arguing with the Lord like Jesus said in Matthew 22. Have not, have we not done in thy name uh, wonderful things, all these good works. He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, ye, that knew, uh, ye that do iniquity. Look at Hosea 10, 13. We've got to move quickly to 1C, your way. Point number one, yourself. 1A, your heart. 1B, your righteousness. 1C, your way. When I say your, I'm included in the your this morning. This is all of us. I'm not preaching just at you. 
Word of God speaking to all of us today. Hosea chapter 10, verse number 13. Look there with me. Hosea chapter 10, verse 13. Hidden there in the minor prophets. Always the most difficult place to go in a sword drill. Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 13. If you keep looking too long, just act like you found it and look down and listen. Hosea 10, verse number 13. Ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies. Man, that's bad. Why? Because thou didst trust in thy way, in multitude of thy mighty men. We're going to look again. We've referenced it Prior, Jeremiah 10, 24, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. The prayer of our heart ought to be, teach me thy way, O Lord. If God's way is higher than my way, I just need to go God's way. As for God, his way is perfect. If you trust in your way, it's going to lead to disappointment. We, we, we need God's direction. We've got to trust him to get that direction. Point D, 1D, your strength. And this in relation to temptation. Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. You can follow me there if you can go quick. Philippians 3, verses 3 and 4. And the Bible says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And that's the point we'd like to make right here. No confidence in the flesh. You can't trust that I can handle it and walk right into temptation. The Proverbs says that would make you a fool. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Jesus said that. And he wasn't so wise that he could live contrary to the word of God and not experience the consequences that God said would happen. First Kings 11 reads exactly like what the law of God said would happen when a man married strange wives. Solomon wasn't so smart he could overcome that. I was listening and reading in the book of Judges yesterday. Samson, strongest man who ever lived, not so strong. That he could walk into temptation and lead himself into temptation and resist the temptation and not be hurt by it. Samson's strength in his flesh was not enough to overcome the destructive forces of the enemy. And it's true in our lives as well. Our prayer must be, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Guys, when we talk about being separate from the world and set apart from the world and having standards and convictions in our lives, a lot of what all of that is about is avoiding temptation so we can avoid sin, so we can avoid the consequences of sin in our lives. Does that make sense? You can't trust, make no provision for the flesh. You know why it's a good thing to have some safeguards on your technology? Because you can't trust yourself, Right? It, it's not just that your parents don't trust you. Listen, if your parents are wise, they don't trust themselves. Right? Make no provision for the flesh. Many trust themselves in temptation, and it's, it's not a good idea. Uh, likewise, 1E, your, your strength again, this in relation to service, 2 Corinthians 1, 
9. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. So 1D, your strength in temptation. 1E, your strength for service. What did Jesus say? Without me, ye can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 says, but We have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Listen, it's a privilege to serve God. I hope, I hope that you give your life to serving God. Serving God is not something you can do in the strength of your flesh. You need the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to walk with God. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to commune with God. It's going, to be ha- it's going to have to be Christ liveth in me. <laughs> in the life that I now live in flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I cannot do this thing in the strength of flesh. I cannot trust myself uh, to serve God acceptably. Our sufficiency is of God. So point number one is yourself. Point number two is others. Point number two is others. Look at Psalm 118, verse number eight, a verse I suspect you'd be familiar with. Psalm 118 and verse number eight. You could sing it with me this morning. Does anybody remember the tune for Psalm 118 and verse number eight? Christian and I are going to sing a duo. It's going to be pretty. Maybe not. It is better to trust in the Lord. There we go, Riley. Make it a trio. Lauren? You didn't raise your hand. I didn't. I hadn't gotten to the verse yet, so I didn't know it was. Your hands are occupied. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, Psalm 118.8. Uh, we got a quartet at the least. I think some of you know it as well. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. One more time, everybody, this time here we go. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put Confidence in man. Let me contextualize the statements we're going to read here and elsewhere. The Bible is not saying that you can never trust anybody. Your friendships and your relationships are going to have to be built on trust. Right? Uh, when speaking of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, the Bible says the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. You have to trust people, and there are people in your life, praise God, that you have that you can trust, but the point is there's nobody that compares to God. And if you're going to trust people in opposition to God or people instead of God, you're making an unwise choice because it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And you are going to find yourself in situations throughout your life where God's really the only one who's going to be able to give you the help that you need. That you need. Look at verse number 9. Expands on this. Psalm 118.9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Psalm 146.3. I'll turn and read. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. I know a lot of people get excited about the elections. Just let me say this. Electing Donald Trump is not going to make America great again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't 
vote for him as opposed to other candidates. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is what would make America great again is returning to the fear of God. Adhering to the supposed motto, in God we trust. That would make America great. But our hope, our hope this morning, it's not our trust is not in a political party. It's not a political candidate. It's not an election cycle. How many of God's people lose their minds every four years and get all wrapped up in something that's not going to make an eternal impact and ignore what God has given us to do in getting the gospel to lost people so they can be saved and the power of the gospel can change their lives? I'm just saying, putting your trust in a in a ruler, in a prince, in a president, in a senator, in a governor. Bad idea. Bad idea. Just trust the Lord. Jesus is the answer. He's going to make everything right when he comes and sits on the throne in Jerusalem. Jeremiah 9, 4, 17, 5 to 7. Micah 7, 5 and 6. Let's, let's go ahead and grab those quickly. Jeremiah 9 and verse number 4. See what the Bible says here. Jeremiah 9, verse... Or here's, here's why. You gotta be careful trusting people instead of God. You can trust trustworthy people in addition to God. You can follow those who follow Christ. You can trust those who trust the Lord. But Jeremiah 9 4, take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. See, God, it's impossible for him to lie. The Bible says in two separate places, but the Bible also says all men are liars. <laughs> People lie to you. Listen, when, 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 when you don't listen to God because you're listening to something that somebody else has said, they are lying. God's telling the truth. Just remember that. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 7. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 7. Thus saith, Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Strong language again. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. That's how we know Mormonism is of the devil. People dwelling in the salt land do not trust the Lord. Verse 7, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Micah 7, verses 5 through 6. Keep that Jeremiah 17, 6 for next time you witness to a Mormon. Micah 7, verses, I don't know they'd be convinced that's what that means. Micah, I'm, I don't know, I'm convinced that's what that means, but it, it's good preaching. Micah 7, 5 and 6. Trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the door of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. Don't trust your wife. <laughs> For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, man's enemies are the men of his own house. Now listen, hopefully your house isn't like this. Hopefully one day your marriage isn't like this. But here's the contrast that the prophet is drawing between wicked people <laughs> and the Lord. God deserves our trust and we can't, Replace the trust we put in God with listening to people who say something contrary. Point number three, and this might not be a struggle for you in your life right now, uh, but it is for a lot of people according to Scripture. Alternatives to trusting God, what people trust instead of trusting the Lord. Point number three, their riches and their wealth. Riches and wealth. 
And I would like to read these verses quickly. I know it's a lot of passages this morning. Let's just allow God's Word to speak to our hearts. Riches and wealth. Psalm 49 and verse number 6. Psalm 49. In verse number 6, notice what the Bible says that people do. Psalm 49 and verse number 6. Psalm 49 verse 6, They that trust in their wealth, people do that, and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. People do that. Listen, if you're going to go door knocking, you are much more likely to have an open door and a conversation with somebody who might acknowledge their need for the gospel in the poor neighborhood as opposed to the rich neighborhood. That's just the way that works. God has chosen the poor of this world rich in faith. Why is that? Because people who have riches tend to trust in them. People who have wealth tend to boast in that and think that because they have some financial security, some material abundance, that they don't need God. It's just the way the human heart tends to work. And they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves most of their riches, verse 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is precious. It sees them forever. Listen, nobody can buy their way into heaven. Verse Nine, that he should still live forever and not see corruption, for he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is their houses shall continue forever. Remember that man in the parable Jesus told? Uh, he, he, he said to his soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Um, here, I got a problem. I got more stuff than I can store. I'm just going to Break down my bards and build greater. Now eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. But their inward thought is, Their houses shall continue forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. That's what people do. They, they, they amass some real estate, some property, and they give it a name, and they name it after themselves. <laughs> Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He's like the beast that perish. This their way is their Folly. Folly. This is a foolish way to live. Yet their posterity approved their sayings. Nobody but people who agree with God think it's a foolish way to live. But God said it's a foolish way to live. Look at Psalm 52. Very close by. A page or two over. Psalm 52. Verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. This was the problem with a rich young ruler. Come to Mark chapter 10, verse 24. Remember, he came to Jesus. Good, good master. What, what, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There's one good. That is God. Jesus answered his question. He went away sorrowful. Verse number 23. And Jesus looked round about, Mark 10, 23, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Like, Jesus, are you saying people with stuff can't go to heaven? But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's not, it's not a problem with having things, or else the entirety of modern-day American culture would be in serious trouble because <laughs> rich is such a relative term we all think of rich as someone who has more than we do right that's just the way we think of it but let's put it in terms 
of the entire population of the world. And let's just put that in terms of today, let alone all through history. I'm telling you this morning, when the Bible says rich, you fall into that category. And we've got to be careful not to trust in riches because that makes it impossible to trust the Lord because you can't trust both. And to get saved, you've got to trust the Lord. <laughs> Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Here's the problem with riches. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. We've already established this applies to us. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Don't be full of yourself. Don't be stuck on yourself. Don't be snooty. Don't be snobby. Tilt your nose down. It's raining outside. You're going to drown. That they be not high-minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Here's why riches are bad to trust. They're uncertain. Here's why riches are a bad thing to trust. They make themselves wings, Proverbs says. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. A lot of people get in trouble in 1 Timothy 6. They fall into temptation and a snare and a foolish and hurtful lust. Why? They will to be rich. They desire to be rich. They want to get rich quick, right? And those schemes are all over the internet and all in the magazines, I mean, like, there are a lot of people trying to get rich quick. But if you get rich quick, I promise you'll get poor even quicker. <laughs> Makes themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Let me say this. I hope that you can all become what the world terms successful. I hope you work hard. I hope you exercise wisdom. I hope you make more than you spend. I hope you manage your finances Biblically, I hope that each of you achieves financial success. I hope you're comfortable. I hope you're able to give to the work of God abundantly. But if that's your life, life's goal, you're sunk. If, if, if you, what First Timothy says, will to be rich, you're going to get yourself hurt. If you trust in riches, what you're trusting is untrustworthy you've just you've got to establish the right priorities in your life you've got to put this in the right order you've got to seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things shall be added unto you again not an exhaustive list we got a few minutes left for point number four alternatives to trusting god the fourth is vanity and lies the first is yourself bad idea the second is others bad idea the third is riches and wealth bad idea the fourth is vanity and and lies and all these coming from the Old Testament prophets, the condition of the nation of uh, really the nation of Judah in its final days so clearly aligns with the condition of our country in the modern day. Isaiah 59 verse number four, Isaiah 59 and verse number four, verse two is our witnessing verse about our your iniquities separating between you and your God. Your sins, if it is face from you, that he will not fear, that he will not hear. It's the context in this passage, verse number four, Psalm 15, Isaiah 59, 4. None calleth for justice, justice, none, and try this again, none calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. Like they say they want justice, but what they want is not justice. They're lying. You get that? Social justice warriors, 
Their definition of justice is very, very skewed. Let's just suffice it to say that. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. See, their arguments are not based on truth. Thy word, the Bible says, is truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Marxism is not truth. <laughs> That's beside the point. None calleth for justice, justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Listen, if you're not going to go to the, by the Bible and the Bible is truth, whatever it is you're going to go by, it's vanity and lies. It's empty and it's untrue. And this, 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 this sounds so familiar. It's a real problem in Jeremiah's day. Next book, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 4. Read these verses quickly as we conclude this morning. Jeremiah 7, verse 4. Trust ye not in lying words. Saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord of these. You know, Jeremiah had more problem in his ministry with false prophets than any other prophet in the Old Testament. We got a lot of false prophets in the world today. Some under the guise of Christianity, some not. They're still speaking things. They're still uh, making arguments. They're still trying to co convince you. You've got to decide, are you going to follow the truth or are you going to listen to Lies, which are you going to trust? Jeremiah 7, verse 8. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Jeremiah 13, verse 25. This is thy lot, the portion of thy measures for me, say the Lord, because thou hast forgotten me and trusted in falsehood. If you're not going to listen to the Bible, if you're not going to follow the word of God, if you're going to listen to the voices in your head or the voices in society, the voices around you, what you hear or see on social media, if you're going to follow that instead of God's word, you're choosing vanity, you're choosing lies. Bad choice. Jeremiah 28, 15, then said the prophet Jeremiah and Hananiah the prophet, here now Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but makest this people to trust in a lie. So much of that going on. 29.31 Send to all them the captivity, saying, Thus say the Lord concerning Shimeiah the Nehelamite, because that Shimeiah hath prophesied unto you, and I sent him not. He caused you to trust in a lie. Again, what's our point? What's our purpose this morning? Examine your heart. What voices are you listening to? What words are you trusting? Whose example are you following? If you don't trust the Lord with all your heart, it's because you've chosen an alternative. I'm telling you, none of those alternatives are going to stand. They're all going to crumble. They're all going to fall. God help us to trust in Him wholly and exclusively. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray these truths would sink in our hearts. God, thank you for these young men, young women. We all, we all so badly need your direction in our lives. May we trust you and not any of these alternatives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.